There are business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're elevating their businesses, teams, and themselves to add more value. And so can you. Welcome to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. If you were looking for ways to elevate success while contributing to a better world, you'll want to listen in for the next hour. Now here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hello, this is Chris Cooper and a big welcome to the Business Elevation Show on Voice America for yet another um, fantastic conversation. Um, as ever, another fantastic guest today. We've got Paul Meehan. I can't wait to talk to him and introduce him to you. Um, I do hope wherever you are in the world that you're having a, a great week. Uh, and that uh, you're um, you know, elevating your thinking and, uh, and moving things forward, despite all of the challenges that are going on in the world right now. Um, I also uh, just want to give a mention to, um, uh, to my guests from uh, the last couple of weeks. Um, if you've not had the opportunity, do listen to the interview with Deke Copenhaver. Um, it was called, um, it starts with us. Uh, Deke was three times mayor of Augusta and had an incredible reputation for the way that he bought people together um you know through across divides um had a tremendous um relationship with both the, the the black and the white communities in georgia and he really did some amazing work and we talked about being a change maker uh, in that interview uh, had a really um really important effect on me and, and a movement that he's creating and is found, a, a part founder of called it starts with us which is trying to move away from those sort of hyper polarization in American politics to really supporting what people around the world and in, in the US really do need, you know, a good roof over their house, a safe neighborhood to live in, a job uh, and uh, good relationships with neighbors, education, health, etc., uh, rather than dividing us around um, minority kind of issues. That was a great interview. And then last week, um, I replayed a show with Dov Barron. Uh, Dov's a incredible speaker and leadership expert and author from Vancouver, a really good friend. And we talked about the emotional source code. And again, I played that show again because it was very, very relevant to thinking about what's going on in the world right now and how we see it and how nations see it and uh, the thought process that we go through to perceive uh, the world. Um, so do take a listen to those uh, interviews if you've not heard them from before. And by the way, I do love to hear from you. So do feel free, you can connect with me at chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Uh, you can let me know what you think of shows and you can let me know if there's any you know great guests you'd love to have on the show, great topics, great subjects. You know, let me know how you're doing. Um, it's, it's always good to hear from you. So to my guest today, Paul Meehan, what it takes to make it. Now, I'm really excited about this conversation with Paul. I've known Paul for um, quite a few years, actually, now, through a, a mutual friend and uh, an important connection to us both, a gentleman called Richard Pitt, uh, who we're both very, very fond of and is a, a real expert, uh, world-class expert in the insurance industry. And um, Paul does a lot of work uh, together with Richard. Uh, and I've always sort of admired Paul from a distance. I've met him at a number of events. He's, um, he's just a really, really smart guy. Uh, he's uh, really um, appreciated by his his network. He's also a really snazzy dresser as well. Actually, he's got a really um, really got a real great style about him, which um, which I, I love as well. 
And um, he's just a brilliant guy to talk about what it takes to make it. He's got lots of experience, 45 years of senior experience. It adds up, doesn't it, Paul? It does add up. Five yeah. now. <laughs> um, and he, and I think he's a great guy to discuss, discuss this subject. He's got an exceptional reputation in the world of insurance. Uh, he's, he's the founder and chief executive of Meehan Corporate Consulting. Uh, he's a consultant to lots of companies within the insurance industry. Uh, he acts as executive chair for uh, an organization called Prosperous Limited. Um, he's uh, uh, been a consultant to a huge uh, network of uh, insurance companies. Uh, and his roles have included Chief Executive Officer of Smart and Cook Group uh, Limited. And he's transformed that company, which is one of the reasons for talking with him today, from less than a million pounds to over 40 million pounds by acquisition and, and creating a brilliant team. And then he was taken over, he, sold, he was sold, um, he was involved in the sale, and he was later appointed to the management board of AXA who took it over. So he's also, uh, he loves his music as well. So I think we've got that in common. He's a, he's a great musician. A cyclist. He's a he's a wonderful fundraiser. He's raised over a hundred thousand pounds to support some really important charities. So, you know, today I'd like to have a a really uh, important conversation with Paul about success. You know, also about um, failure as well. Actually, you know, how do we how do, what can we learn from that? I'm sure with Paul, he's a northerner like myself, um, and uh, he, but he's kept managed to keep the proper accent. Um, I'm sure we're going to get some brutal honesty as well from him. Um, a big welcome to Paul Meehan. Thank you, Chris. Thank you for that uh, wonderful introduction. You can tell who, who wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> I was yeah. in there as well. You about all Picking it all up, absolutely brilliant. Yeah, absolutely marvellous. I, I was serious. I'm actually really excited about talking to you. Good. I'm, I'm glad somebody is. <laughs> I am. I, I, I actually wanted the opportunity to get to know you a bit better because I always brilliant. thought you a really interesting fellow. And, uh, and I know how much people kind of love you and... Uh, you know, and value your experience and your wisdom. I've seen it. I've been in rooms when it's been present. So, um, yeah, welcome. Thanks it's about, about time. Good to be with you. <laughs> so, t tell us. I just alluded to your your Northern English accent there. Where, where's Where's home? Where Where are you from? So, uh, I was uh, born in Leeds. My mum and dad were both from Ireland. Came over here separately. Met over here. And uh, had six kids, of which I was one. And uh, my mum was uh, what we call over here a dinner lady. She went and uh, helped with school meals. And Pops was a bricklayer. He used to uh, go out in all weathers and uh, lay bricks. And uh, it was fascinating because he'd show up, you know, in the evening after work at about six o'clock. And he'd spend literally an hour trying to warm his hands over the, over the fire, the coal fire that was burning. And I can always remember sitting there thinking... I ain't going to do that when I grow up. Yeah. And that, that was the kind of, uh, that was the real motivation to kind of get my head down at school and try and try and do okay and end up sitting in a lovely warm office. I used to, I used to wait for the bus to go to school and see all these guys in Jaguar cars and white shirts driving to work in the snow. And I used to think that's going to be me someday. So yeah, very much a working class uh, upbringing, but very, very kind of uh, a moral upbringing, you know, that the, the mum and dad taught us to be, you know, mostly good and kind to people, but to stand up for yourself. So a really good upbringing, in my view. It sounds like we had we had similar upbringings, really. Yeah, working um, class. Dad a steel worker, his brother a bricklayer. Um, yeah. A work, very working class and some of my dad 
Dad and what he had to put up with in the steel industry, and it it's uh, made me do think. Not, do not <laughs> motivate you to to pull your socks up. Make sure you don't end up getting thrown out of school at fifteen. You know. Well, it also also poor. I just wonder sometimes if people really appreciate you know appreciate a warm office and appreciate some of the environments and opportunities they get. You know, if you've got if you've got something that's very different, you can compare it to. It's. Uh, yeah. it's kind of helpful isn't it to... it is and that that particularly you know i always had a sense of insecurity uh for a variety of reasons i won't go into that but that that really equipped me really well for business because you know one of the best things you can have is insecurity yeah. because it makes you get out of bed and be aware that your competition's chasing you particularly if you're doing well and if you're ahead of the pack you've got to be you know on your game every day and that that transmits itself to the business but i think that came from my upbringing you know because I didn't ever want to get into that 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 environment again. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I think I think yeah, upbringing is important, isn't it? And yeah, um, yeah. we le- we learn from it, don't we? We should also I was just going to say actually, at Leeds, that's um, because we are we accessed typically each month in about fifty countries. So we should say really, Leeds is um, central England. Well, it's yeah. it's not we we would call central England um, probably Birmingham, but it's more it's more. Um, Central slightly north of the center yeah. isn't it yeah very much the textile town in the uh, in the 1800s uh, in the industrial revolution time but a really really good we used to have a really good football team but not anymore but yeah. uh it's it's a good city it's northern people help each other you know dig each other out when when problems come along and uh it's a very tight-knit uh working class community it's brilliant Remember that those days, Tony Curry, Peter Lorimer, Trevor yeah. Chow. <laughs> yeah, I sat, I, met, I sat next to Trevor Chow, Trevor, watching a football game once. I Fantastic. So, so you um you didn't originally want to your your, your dream wasn't to be an insurance, was it initially? <laughs> oh no 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 no! I I kind of surprised my parents. I did. I, I got lots of O levels, but then I managed to get a couple of A levels. And I thought, well, I've got enough now to go to university. That was never never in the in the script. Uh, and I applied to the London, London School of Economics. Uh, they they accepted me, but they insisted that I get an economics A level. So I did that at night school. Went to the LSE. Uh, it was a hotbed of left wing politics, which was really cool back in the sixties. Uh, lots of lots of activity. Uh, and whilst I was at uni, I started to get involved in London with music. And and after a couple of years, I decided I would drop out of university. Uh, I joined a, a couple of bands. I ended up going around the Reaper Barn in Hamburg in Germany, okay. doing all sorts of things like that. Made no money at all and eventually needed to get a job in London. So I went and got a job at Woolworth selling fruit on the fruit store there. And then thought, this is no good. You've got to get a career. So I went to uh, to work in the National Westminster Bank in the city. Did really, really well. Uh, but eventually I decided I wanted to go back and live in Leeds because, you know, the, the lifestyle in London didn't suit me. So I abandoned the job in the bank and went back to Leeds to live with my brother. And... I guess I would be probably 24 and I, I, I'd, I'd really got nowhere so far. I'd wasted really six years of having lots of fun, you know, spending lots of money and, well, <laughs> spending my grant <laughs> and, <laughs> and uh, having fun, playing music, chasing girls and all that. And I came home and I thought, well, I need to get a job. 
my brother was uh, in insurance broking and uh, he kind of he said to me we've got a temporary job in the in the office if you need something i was desperate and whilst i was uh, waiting around to start the job i went down to a, a, a an audition for people on a talent show called new faces and uh, there were the, the people on the on the auditions were dire so i called my brother up at work and said come down here and bring some guitars and bring your wife. And we auditioned and uh, didn't think anything more of it. Uh, and then started work in this uh, insurance broker, small insurance broker in Leeds doing motor insurance. And then they, they, they called us up and said, we'd like you to come on the show. And of course we were over the moon. Uh, live TV in front of 15 million people is, uh, it's not good for your adrenaline. <laughs> I tell you, so that was that was the scariest thing I've ever been through in my life. And uh, we did the show, and we fortunately we didn't win. We kind of came about third, I think. And uh, and I fortunately avoided a full time career in music because that's not a great career unless you're Mark Knopfler or Paul McCartney or somebody like that. You know, it's a very very, it's just a bad deal you never get any sleep you can't have a relationship you've got you've got no no roots it's it's a tr tricky one so fortunately i managed to dodge that one and, and then then i was in insurance broking totally by accident uh moved through the profession went to join a couple of other firms kept moving up in terms of status and ended up running a a small bro well not a small brokerage a brokerage in leeds which was part of 15 companies and uh in 1986, the whole group went into administration. It was a second administration under the new Insolvency Act in the UK back then. And we went into administration and my business was the only one that traded through. So that was that was a real, real challenge at the time. I was pretty young uh, and I had uh, about 30 people working for me. So bringing that business through that particular process was a hell of a challenge. But uh, I, I then got headhunted by uh, Smart and Cook, and they'd, they'd heard the business was in, in difficulty. And I told them I needed about six months to sort my business out, which I did. And I sold it on and then moved to Smart and Cook. And that's where the fun started. Yeah. So it was a bit of a, as you said, it wasn't an intentional pathway. It was a complete and utter accident that I ended up where I ended up. And, and, uh, you hear that with quite a few people who worked in insurance actually i'm still quite sure how i ended up here but um yeah, yeah. i i, I my, my um last uh 10 years i think i've worked with about 20 insurance companies and brokers and no, no, not originally my background and i love it actually i, I think yeah. it's maybe you can really make um make a you know make a mark on um and so you um you, you're at smart and cook yeah uh, so i think that's where you, you built quite a reputation well, again, this is accidental, really. When when I got headhunted into this lovely little brokerage in Harrogate, it was it was about the same size as the one I, I was running. But I went in as director because one of the two partners had had a heart attack at thirty eight, and they needed somebody urgently to to take his clients on. So I went in there really to lead the sort of development side of the business. Eventually, uh, one of the John Smart retired he, through ill health. And I ended up running the business with Jeff Cook, and we decided we we're going to grow it. It was a, it was what I, I call a fat, dumb, and happy business. It was profitable. It was we used to go for lunch, spend three hours at lunch, and 
we just got bored with it. It was making money, doing really well. And we said, we, can we get into something a bit more exciting? And so we decided we'd, we'd acquire, try and acquire some similar brokerages and spread our, our pixie dust on, on those dip businesses and make them more profitable, make them more successful. So we, we acquired over a couple, maybe two or three years, we acquired four businesses, businesses which we could drive to within an hour. If things went wrong there, we could get to them and, and fix them. And we got more confident as we went along. And eventually, uh, we we brought the PE money in uh, to help us. We were buying out of working capital. And, of course, that's limited. So we brought PE house in. They funded us, and we uh, we went on our, our acquisition campaign. Unfortunately, Jeff uh, passed away in 2005 so i was left really running the whole shoot on my own and uh we did we did pretty good and eventually we uh we sold the business to axa insurance who are keen to get into intermediation being a being a, a supplier of capital they wanted to be a little further up the food chain and vertical integration so they were buying brokers and they bought us yeah and I uh, I left the business and then uh, about a year later, I was asked to go back but work in the insurance company on the main board. And uh, I took that on for three years and that was all a whole new experience. It was absolutely amazing. I'd spent so many years trying to make our small business look big. And then suddenly I'm working in this huge behemoth of a business and I, I was doing everything I could to make it look small and compassionate and nice to know so yeah. it was it, it was interesting that journey that sort of about turn yeah well i guess what i'm i'm really then interested to explore with you after the break is um you mentioned the word pixie dust there yeah uh, and I, I we could have called this pixie dust actually that's a great title uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I, i'm interested to know what that you know what that pixie dust was really because and, and you know and chatting with you you have a lot of uh a lot of different insights uh, and helpful insights around business. Um, some of them, some of them obvious, some of them not so. Uh, and I think um, it would be great to explore some of those and yeah. uh, help people who are probably going through a journey and they're, they're maybe going through some tough knocks or being challenged by the environment right now. Yeah. Or, yeah. Uh, you know, let, let's uh, let's learn from someone who's who's been there and and done it. So. Yeah, we'll go. We'll go to commercial break now. Um, okay. The commercial break. We'll get into the. We'll get into the pixie dust. <laughs> Do join us with a pen and paper, uh, and, uh, and 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 have a, have a have a think about have a think deeply when you hear some of these about. Do they apply to you, and do they apply to your work? And uh, and which of these? Maybe there's one or two that you could take away. Could you really work on, in your business, or in your in your life even? to help you to elevate your position and your 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 work from where you are now to where you want to get to. So back again with you in just a couple of minutes. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high-potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high-return group mentoring and mastermind program called The Achiever Program. One-to-one -one mentoring and coaching 
facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Say It Skillfully is my radio show about being who you are and saying what you think needs to be said. This is your host, Molly Chang. I'll help you find the right words to tackle any challenging conversation you've been avoiding. Whether you're part of a small project team or leading a giant company, the more you accept that you're part of the problem, the faster you can be part of the solution. You'll learn how to achieve success on your terms and be happier, healthier, and more productive at work and in your life. Check out SayItSkillfully.com for practical resources, including my 90-second videos, real-life examples showing you how to speak up skillfully. I invite you to call in with your questions. Join me live every Tuesday, 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. And no, I'm cheering for you. tuned into the business elevation show with your host chris cooper if you have a question or comment about our show please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk that's chris at chriscooper.co.uk now back to chris cooper hi this is chris cooper and with paul meehan we're talking about what it takes to make it and we were, we've been going through the journey of, uh, of paul's life and his, his working life before the break and i just want to before we go into you know some of the some of the sort of key components around making it and we'll talk about what it actually is uh in a moment um what what really is making it um but paul you were telling, sharing with me uh, over the break about uh you know a big knock that you had and i think you learn the most on the knocks people often see them as being um being something terrible um, but actually, that's often where the wisdom comes. What you you tell us about a knock that you've had, a tough one, and what yeah. you from it. Well, I mentioned earlier about the uh, business I was running in Leeds when it went into administration, and uh, that was a disaster. Uh, I, I just thought I was going to be out of work, and also have that uh, mark on my back of a failure. Somebody had failed in business, which is very tough in in financial services. Um, so I decided I was going to trade my business through the administrator wanted to liquidate it and i persuaded him to let me take it through and he said i'm not going to pay any wages for three months so i got all the guys into the bar uh, in the evening and said look we're going to carry on trading and i need to know whether you're going to follow me doing this there's 28 of them and uh, if you don't want to do it fine you're not going to get paid for three months if you want to go now, you can get redundancy pay and go get a job elsewhere. And all 28 of those people said, yeah, we'll go with it. And that that taught me something quite early on. They, 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 were, they weren't doing it because of the finance. They were doing it because they believed in what I was trying to do, yeah. the, the kind of enterprise that I, that I had on, on foot. So that was that was a real big lesson. It's tremendous and it's tough, but those things, if you can get through them, they make you stronger. It's that cliche about if it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger. But that was a really good learning for for the future. It taught me that 
really good businesses have really really good leaders and pe really good people work for good people yeah. you know it's 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 really interesting if you can inspire people with your enterprise you know they'll, they'll come and join you but more important they'll contribute to your success yeah and it also says something that about at that moment that you 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 actually stood up and led you could you probably could have yeah you stood up and led didn't you you you, you yeah. created a you know, a vision for them which actually let's all work really hard for three months if you if you're up for it we can yeah. turn this around and actually there's something scary about that but also quite exciting about it it was brilliant yeah but i didn't i didn't want the stigma of having failed so and they did follow us and we su successfully sold the business on and i stayed with the business for a short time but all those people secured their jobs and i was really proud of that uh, I'd been approached by Smart and Cook at when the business went into administration, and it was it was about seven months after after I'd secured the existing business that I moved over to Smart and Cook and uh, joined that business. How would you how did you define making it? Making it. It's funny that most people go uh, make a load of money. Uh, that's making it being successful. Make a load of money and sell your business. I, I think I, I personally think it's a bit more than that. I think you've got to uh, you've got to go through and be successful, but on the way, make sure that your reputation's intact uh, and operate in a moral way, and and also never needing to cross the road to avoid meeting somebody that you've had dealings with in your past business life. Yeah, you know. You can you, you can you can make things difficult for people. You sometimes you have to make people redundant, but you got to treat them with respect. I never expected people to like me, but I expected them to respect me. So, I think success is is making a lot of money, but keeping those basic principles intact. And also, I think success is being in a position where you can actually help people because you've got the money to do it. You know, whenever you come across those situations, that that gives me such a buzz that. Yeah, fantastic. That that I think is that encapsulates what making it is. Yeah, that's in, that's interesting. So is is um so there's there's a component to it which is having money. Yeah, but there's also a component to it which is doing something worthy. Yeah, uh, either with it or during the making of it. It's it's really important to uh, I everybody talks about brand. You know, they talk about brand, and I I always believed that a business's brand is the leader and the culture that he creates and he actually oversees. And I think that that brand is absolutely hugely important. It's gotta be, it's gotta be right, it's gotta be trusted and all those things. And good people will follow and work within a business that has those ethical approaches. I know lots of people who made a lot of money and, and trampled people to death on the way. Yeah. I, I know lots of people, you will, yeah. they're, all, they're all out there. Uh, it's fascinating. I was I saw that um, um, the Tesla guy is is decided to have a, a cage fight with the Facebook guy. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's announced. Yeah. yeah. Mark Zuckerberg is going to fight Elon Musk. Elon Musk in a cage. And I think what what the, these guys lead massive businesses. What what are they doing? Uh. I, you know, it, it, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, or whatever it was, you know, self-actualization has gone to a new level. Uh, <laughs> anyway, that's by the by. But, uh, yeah, it's it's, um, it's really important that you create the brand, the culture, 
and you you stick with it and you, you know you don't play around with it because anybody who's working in that business if they see that you're not consistent in your behaviors that you're not firm but fair i think i think i think you, you've lost it really yeah. you've really lost it yeah so is, is there some um some good plain speaking northern values in in this as well I was yeah thinking, yeah there one, is yeah you know, one yeah. of the things that you, you said to me is um you know that's really important is no bullshit yeah absolutely yeah absolutely no bullshit you've got to have difficult conversations you've got to be honest with people but when i was in axa i used to find and much much bigger business you you people would come in with a particular issue and then this is a terrible generalization but most of the men in the room would leap to a solution a knee-jerk reaction and they'd give you all these business cliches and you know these sound bites you know blue sky thinking and thinking out of the box and the girls the women would sit in the room and just sit there and they'd they'd they'd, they'd reason out solutions they were much more much more creative most of the guys who were sort of senior were full of bullshit and and i when i when i got the role which was a new role in axa uh the ceo said you need to hire your own team uh, to, to support you and I, I literally picked people out from AXA as I was moving through the business through meetings and I ended up with a team of, of one guy and seven women mm. and they were absolutely brilliant they were just brilliant they did nothing ever fears them men panic you know men terrible generalization <laughs> men go to pieces if their one solution doesn't work you mm. know they go to the door if the front door's locked they bang on it they kick it they put their elbows against it. Women go around and find a window open around the back. They think beyond the initial sort of approach, in my in my view, and and that that's where I found a ton of bullshit. I didn't get it in my own business because it wasn't it wasn't in the culture really. But I certainly found it in spades inside AXA, and you will find it in spades inside most large businesses. Yeah, it just goes with the territory. Yeah, I think um, I mean it got me thinking about uh, you know what are the what are the different because uh, actually quite a lot in there of beha- of behaviours that are not not constructive. No, so, you know, sort of I'm thinking started to think about when I when I thought about that phrase for the interview, I was thinking well actually there's things like you know somebody in a running a department who there's there's a, a discussion and they just want to be right. Absolutely, you know, that that's, is, that's so that. true that. That's so true. And the, the other thing, and this is, again, they don't listen. <laughs> they've decided what the answer to the problem is before they've actually been advised what the problem encapsulates. It's, it's, it's this rush to judgment. And then you go, but what about this? And it's like, we can deal with that. We'll fix that when that happens. And it won't happen because my solution is going to work. And and the, the women would be just, you know, observing this. <laughs> then when all the guys had gone to the bar, they go, boss i think we ought to do this and i go well tell me what you think we should do and i'd go do you know i love that let's do that and and even if it wasn't what i thought or even 80 percent of what i thought i would rather support their decision and empower them to have the courage to take other decisions in front of these guys and and you know and it, and they grew in that environment but yeah bullshit's a terrible thing there's also there's also but there's also um smooth you know smoothing over you know, like yeah. you described there, you know, people smoothing over something and and demeaning it when it's important, um, and not listening to two sides of an argument. Yeah, exactly. 
I, th- I think it's a lot of marketing that's bullshit. And, yeah. and, and also, I actually also think, as it's me being a bit controversial here, but I'm obviously sick of uh, dealing with um, with phone lines and uh, an, an organisation that you can't speak to a human being. To me, that's bullshit as well. Let me tell you something. This is really funny. I When I got into AXA, I was running all the claim systems and the CEO came in and said, I've had some real problems. I've had the group claims director for the world, for the UK, for the whole world. He's been on, he's found out our call answering times are 44 minutes in the, in the first notification of lost claims. So I said, leave it with me. And I went down to Leatherhead and I walked in. There's a team of 30. And I said to the guy who ran it, I said, wait, I can't hear any phones ringing. Oh, he said, that's a separate place. We have that. So he took me into this little room and there's three people. I said, is this the total phone answering thing? Oh, he said, yeah, we haven't got time to answer phones. We're too busy working. So I said, I said, hang on a minute. So these clients who are with us are ringing up to notify claims. They can't get through for 45 minutes. Guess what they're going to do at renewal? They'll take their business elsewhere. Can you put 50% of the team onto phones from tomorrow? And he went, okay, if you, if you want, but it's not the best. I said, let's just do it. Two weeks later, Philippe came through the door. He said, I've had the uh, central, the claims guys on from Paris. They're delighted. The call answering time's gone from 44 minutes to seven minutes. What did you do? I said, Yorkshire magic, Philippe. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? People don't know what's going on in their businesses. How many organizations do you ring up and it's um, due to unprecedented call? Oh, yeah. The last three times I've called, you have the same message. And Um, you know, they always have a warning about abusing the staff. Once you hear that, you know you're on the phone for an hour. You do. Because most people get through, they start shouting at the operatives. Yeah, yeah. Right, well, um, we'll, we'll, we'll move on from talking bullshit, but I think it's a really, really <laughs> important point. Uh, uh, how um, One of the things you do well, I know, is that you hold people to account. Yeah. And, and in your consultancy work, you all hold a lot of people to account. Um, how important is accountability and uh, as a you know, a leader, how do you best do it? It's, I think this is one of the simplest things and one of the, one of the things that very many businesses don't do. If you're going to sit down and make some decisions about what needs doing, you have to agree with all the parties what the action's going to be. You write it down, you allocate it to somebody and you have it time bound so that, that you know when that's going to get done by. And then you have the discipline to go back to those people when that time has expired and say, has it been done? And that's when you get the bullshit. Oh, uh, I haven't done it this month because the dog died or the cat went to the vets or the dog ate me homework or whatever it is. And then when they realize you're not going to forget what you agreed, because most business leaders do, they don't have that. They'll agree to do things. They'll rush off to do something else and they'll forget what they've agreed to do. And as a result, things don't get done. And accountability does not exist until something goes wrong. And then they go, didn't we agree last year we'd do this to fix that? And then it's all in the fog, you know, and in big businesses, they have a thing called group, group responsibility where there's never an individual behind it to blame. But if, if you adopt that simple approach on everything you do in the business, sit down, make a decision, make sure it's a good decision, have a plan B, write it down, allocate it and time and make sure you find out whether it's been done or not. There's accountability right there. I used to, I saw it years, yeah, 
years ago when I worked for a large food food company, when I used to meet the CEO uh, for a review, he would um, say, do you, want me, do you want me to write any, any send you any notes back? No, um, I, I write the notes, the power's in the pen. <laughs> and he would uh, <laughs> yeah. go, get a short note back with uh, three or four bullet points, do this, do this, do this, uh, yeah. you're doing this, this, this. Uh, and then we review it again next time. Um, but that was quite interesting. That held me to account that I did for the next uh, quarter before we met again. But don't you find, Chris, that good businesses do that as a matter of course? It's Absolutely. in their DNA. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but poor businesses don't do it. There's lots of things they don't do. They lots of things they they just they just kind of run, run they, they fly without dials, really, I suppose is the best way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. So any um any and what's um what would you say the qualities of somebody who's key qualities of someone who um in your opinion you know you you meet and you admire um as a leader i think uh i think positivity you know resilience the ability to kind of take the blows and to weather those and to be able to come back I think I think determination, courage is a, is another one because a lot of people when when things go wrong they kind of they 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 stop doing those things they're scared. Um, I think I think determination is good. <clears throat> I think when you when you're trying to get people to come into the firm and trying to keep people in the firm, you've got to have a really good vision and you've got to be passionate about what you're trying to do. Yeah, and you just you've just got to be you've got to inspire people. It's, it sounds. It sounds a bit kind of uh, overblown. And the other thing I think is, you've got to have a little bit of charisma as well. I, I, we talk, we talk about this in our consulting, and you get guys who lead businesses go, "I can't be charismatic. That's not in me. I'm not in. That's I can't do that." And I go, "Act it. Just act it. Pretend you're playing a role. Walk into a room and do the. You know, be a be a charismatic charismatic leader. It's easy when you act it. It's easy." It's the only thing I want you to act in your business, but act like Churchill or somebody. And when and when it goes wrong, don't lose don't lose your temper and start shouting and carrying on. Great leaders are calm when they're faced with adversity. Yeah. So it's it's almost you know playing a role, but you've got to have core attributes that that separate you from the le- from the rest. Otherwise, you won't be the leader. Somebody else will be. If you haven't got those things, somebody else will pick it up off you. Yeah, yeah. Something I started speaking about, I've, I've realised is really important. It probably links in with what you just said. There is is energy and and yeah. the flow of it. Oh, um, yeah. I've realised at the core of everything I do really is uh, I help people to lift it, lift the energy, and yeah. uh, and lift and lift the flow of that energy, uh, and it makes an it makes an enormous difference. And and, I, and you need know, to do that. You've got to make sure you're in a great energetic state every day you go into into work. Oh man, it's so important. You know, see people walking, bosses walking in, they're in a bad mood because something's happened with the wife, they've had a fight with the wife, and they bring that into the business. It's just crazy. You know, if you walk through the door, you've got to be that positive, lead, energetic guy. Even if you've had a bad time at home, even something's happened, you have to be that guy. You have to take a deep breath when you walk into the business and be that guy. And it is part of it is acting, obviously. I suppose sometimes. Well, I'm just thinking like we you, know you you as um you as a consultant we're both we're both consultants yeah and you, you realize even more when you're a consultant because you've got to be on it haven't you yeah you've got yeah. to be on it every day and and I, and I just wondered something that crossed my mind this week is maybe some um 
you know, business leaders should actually start to think and act as though they are a consultant, as though they are being paid by yeah, the Yeah, yeah. It's, it's great when you get outside your business and you get, look at it objectively, look at yourself, stand in your queues, see how your phones get answered, you know, see how the people who are answering the phone, see what they sound like. Do they sound bored at board? Do they sound happy? Do they sound friendly? All those things, you know, it's objectivity about your business is essential. And, and if you adopt a consultant's mindset, it's it's fantastic because you're evaluating it and seeing just what it looks like. My One of my businesses I was in, I, I said, you know, have you looked at your website? Oh, no, I haven't looked at it since we put it up. I said, well, do you know if it's any good or not? Well, it, it was great in 2015 when we had it done. You know, it's just comedy really yeah yeah i went to see a business the other day and uh they had no they had no sign on their on their office it took me three quarters of an hour to find the business no sign no numbers no nothing and i said why have you not got a sign in your office so he said it's here it fell off three three months ago i've got to put it back up so yeah. how, what do you, how do your visitors know where you are oh he yeah. said we've had a bit of a problem because they keep ringing up asking where we are <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> it's, it's like it's like really Really, I had a client at a, some a company that he really wanted to court and and win, and uh, he spoke to this guy on the phone and said, "Look, you know, whenever you're in the area, just stop by, come come and see us." Yeah. Um. So about um about six months later, he called him up again to see how he was, and uh, he said he never came to see us. He said I did. He said, <laughs> I, he said I walked in. There was no reception. It was such a mess. I walked out again. <laughs> Oh, terrific, terrific. On, that note, on that note we're going to commercial break now after <laughs> the break we'll talk a bit about hiring people we'll talk about something I, I think that is um, about prioritisation actually um, and something that I think um, you know, I've done uh, over what, your 516th show I've done I don't think we've actually ever spoken about this before um, so I think it's a really good nugget that people need to um, they, should, they should hang around to understand um, it's a, and it will help you with your prioritization going through because uh, we often we often focus on the wrong things. So do join us again after the break. We'll be back with you in just a couple of minutes. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high-potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high-return group mentoring and mastermind program called The Achiever Program, one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. 
Are you a business owner, 1099 contractor, part-time employee, or volunteer who needs group health coverage you can actually afford? Do you know a nonprofit who would benefit from unlimited zero-cost funding? How about cost reduction, school safety, mental health wellness, and more? All these and more are fair game on Finding Certainty. If you want more certainty in your own life, you are not alone. Join us each Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Find your own brand of certainty and realize your personal American dream with Finding Certainty, hosted by Patrick Lang. Let's unwrap the certainty experience together. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. tuned into the business elevation show with your host chris cooper if you have a question or comment about our show please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk that's chris at chriscooper.co.uk now back to chris cooper hi this is chris cooper i'm uh, here with paul Meehan. Uh, we're talking about uh, kind of what it takes and uh, and, and, and by the way, if you're listening to this, you've got ideas, thoughts, do drop me a note, chris at chriscooper.co.uk. I'm, I'm always pleased to hear from you, uh, as I've uh, mentioned. And um, Paul, any thoughts on one of the one of the things, and we, we talk about this a lot in the insurance industry right now, people are struggling to hire the right people. Yeah. They're struggling to hire people, and sometimes they're so desperate, they'll hire the wrong ones just to get some bodies through the door. What's your thoughts and experiences on hiring the right people? Yeah, I think... <clears throat> This is a really difficult one now because of the scarcity of talent. But I think any good business has a pipeline of prospects for hires in the same way as you have a pipeline of prospects for clients. And I think you build up through networking, through knowing who's in the in the business, uh, maybe through running events at, at your business and inviting people along. But you've got you've got to. And the other thing that that I've found is that some businesses bring candidates in and then sit back as if their business is so amazing that this candidate's going to jump at the job offer if they get one. And they forget that it, this is such a tight market. The leader or the, the senior guy in the business got to sell uh, the passion and the vision uh, and the enterprise and get this candidate somehow infused to come and work for you. Yeah. And the other thing that's dead important, really important, is if 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 the best employee is an a, is a quality and the worst employee is a z quality if you're going to recruit use your a's to hire because a's have no fear of talent they'll hire a's or b's to come and work alongside them yeah if you use people who are not that great maybe process driven they'll be scared they hire somebody who's going to be better than them will perhaps take their job even go past them so they tend to hire substandard you know, Fs will hire Zs. So it's really important to have your recruitment done by the very best people in your business. But you as the leader have to be a part of that recruitment process. You've got to sell your, sell you and sell the business and sell where you're going and how you're going to get there. 
and this is all part of building a, a you know a high performance business and and actually <clears throat> making sure that you're not going to spoil the culture that you already have of great people competent people who are all on the bus with you making progress to the goals that you have uh so so that's that's getting people hanging on to people <laughs> is pretty tricky because you know they, they, if you hire through agencies they'll call the guys up three months later and try and get them to move again. So this is all about keeping everybody in the business informed. I think it's another thing that businesses fail to do. They fail to communicate with the people in the business. You've got to communicate and communicate and communicate some more. If you're going to tell people something, you've got to tell them over and over and over again. And also make sure that you're doing the the one to ones with the individuals, so they can see clearly, so they can see clearly where they're going and where they fit into your plans. Yeah. You know, th this is really important. A, a lot, a lot of firms they'll hire somebody, they'll pay them thirty percent more than they were getting where they were before, and then they just leave them in the system. It's that old story about mushrooms. You know, you put <laughs> you put them in the dark, you throw a lot of shit over them, and hope they'll grow. <laughs> that's not going to happen you you need to keep everybody involved in your enterprise have a plan have a really good detailed plan and keep them involved in the execution of that plan and reward them this is the other thing people seem to think if they own shares in businesses that they keep all the marbles for them for themselves i think it's important that everybody will benefit financially from the growth and the development and the increasing value of your firm. Yeah. So, so the human resource, if there was one thing, it's funny, I asked my uh, partner who's a, a highly qualified medical uh, uh, person in, in the NHS, and I told her I was doing this call today, and I said, what's the most important thing in business? She doesn't know business from any, you know. Oh, she said people. Yeah. You've got to have the right people. You've got to keep them and you've got to reward them for your, within your team for your success. And I thought, that's, and that is it. There's no, that's the most important thing, I think. Yeah. So you better hire the right people and you better keep them. Definitely. I always remember a set first week in uh, as, a, as a postgraduate in a job uh, and uh, a retiring sales director came to my, my desk and said, Chris, can I leave a, share a message with you? So you're just starting your career and I'm finishing mine. Yeah. Uh, Said, yeah yeah please and he said uh it's this people are everything and he walked oh. up he left me with that for 30 years but he, and, and, I, and i and i don't agree i don't can't disagree with him i think it's absolutely right it's brilliant it's brilliant and uh if you empower i touched on earlier about you know people bringing solutions to problems and that's so so valuable and if you know we we, we encounter these parent child cultures where the the, the owners knows everything and People come into me and he won't let them make any decisions. That's just crazy. But it's wonderful when people are bringing solutions. And even if they're not 100%, if you say, I love that, you go and do that. They just they just grow into a whole different shape and, and contribution to the business. They just get confident when they deliver things that you would not expect. Yeah. Yeah. 
Definitely. Well, Gus, got a couple of minutes now till um, I need to end the interview uh, and, yeah. and wrap, wrap up, really. But can you just talk to us about? There's two things we we're going to talk about. This is like your your greatest hits, really, or your <laughs> best island disc. We've been asking, and you've you've shared some really good ones with us with us today. Um, I, I think we're going to talk about desire, and 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 I don't think we've got time to talk about that. But I just think that it's just so important, and I I see that so lacking sometimes in in leaders is having that. That absolute energy and desire to lead and be enthusiastic and positive. And I think that's so important. But yeah. the one I alluded to earlier, we might come back to if we've got 30 seconds, but the one I, I alluded to was you talked to me about um, the importance of doing getting the non-urgent things done. Yeah. And I think that's really important to Yeah, share. this was this was the thing originally brought out by General Eisenhower back in the war, military guy. And what, what he said was we spend most of our time doing the urgent, important things. These are the fires that break out, you know, the things that maybe the last minute jobs that you should have done or maybe somebody, your boss dumped something on you that was desperately urgent. You tend to get those out of the way. And then, you know, psychologically, you think, what else is really important? And you think, oh, I need to book the tickets for you too. Or I need to book the holiday flights or book a repeat prescription. The really, really clever things are the important things that are not urgent. Yeah. Things, for example, like maybe you have a report, big report to do for, for a client or for the boss. It's not due for three weeks, but start it today. Avoid it becoming something, you have, a last-minute job. Maybe maybe the one-to-ones that you should be doing with your staff, you think, oh, I've got time to do those this week. And those get forgotten. Uh, walking the floor. You don't have to walk the floor, but goodness is it important you know you hear what's happening in the business these are not urgent important things that a lot of businesses just don't do they'll do the fires they'll do the urgent things then they'll move on to the urgent not important things that they could delegate and then after that they'll go to the not urgent not important things like facebook and and you know digital media or social media and those really uh, business changing things that are not urgent, never get done. And the best businesses or the best leaders spend their time on those. And then, then they don't have so many things coming up that are, that are suddenly they're urgent and important because they've done them. They've done them yeah. already. I've had, a, I've had a beautiful example of this in the last week uh, and uh, it could have been resolved by um, having spent some face-to-face -face time with someone. Um, if yeah. someone had been lead, leading, um, leading some people, hadn't actually visited them in their office in the 10 months they've been leading them. Yeah, that's that's exactly that's exactly what I mean. This yeah. is Stephen Covey. He's uh, Seven Habits of uh, Highly Effective People, or whatever it's called. He, he he does a really great exposition on this, and it's the one thing that I the most important thing in in managing a successful business as a leader is is that making sure those not important, not urgent issues get dealt with. Fantastic. Well, I'm going to take that as your final message. I've realised we've run out of time. It's been absolutely brilliant talking with you, Paul. Um, some really, really great nuggets in there and um, really, really helpful. Uh, I've not sp spoken about um, bullshit for so long in, in an interview, but there's some really, <laughs> really great, um, great ideas and thoughts in there and, and wisdom in, to get the important things done. Um, and because those are, so the non-urgent, because often they're the most important things. Yep. How to hire, um, about uh, accountability, um, the qualities that you need to be successful. And if you're out there and you wanted to make um, be successful in what you do, um, there's some serious wisdom in here, some serious pixie dust 
to to help you move forward. So once again, Paul, been brilliant talking to you today. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Chris. I enjoyed it. Uh, and uh, do join us again on next week for next week's show. Um, and uh, shortly coming up, um, I've forgotten what we've got on next week, so I do apologise for that. But after that, we've got Mark Crowley on Lead from the Heart, which is going to be a brilliant show, I know, uh, coming up. Uh, do join us again and do drop me an email if you've got any questions, thoughts, ideas. I say I love to hear from you and do go out there, make a difference and, and uh, take one or two things from this interview that you can actively put into practice and go and help yourself be more successful, but more importantly, contribute to it to a better world. Take care. We thank you for listening to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more.